Law of Self-Defense content you are about to enjoy is presented for general educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice, consult competent legal counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Hey folks, I'm attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense, and today I'd like to share with you a tragic story out of New Mexico involving the actor Alec Baldwin. He's perhaps best known for his small but powerful role in the 1992 movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross, with the line, Coffee is for Closers and his longstanding role as boss Jack Donahue on the television program 30 Rock. Ironically enough, he's also been a longtime supporter of gun control. But let's talk about the tragic event that occurred, and I'll just briefly quote from a New York Times story on the event. Quote, Alec Baldwin discharged a prop firearm on the set of a Western he was making in New Mexico on Thursday. This would be yesterday, killing the film's director of photography and wounding the movie's director. The cinematographer Helena Hutchins, 42, was killed, and the director Joel Souza, 48, was injured, and the circumstances of the shooting are under investigation. Close quote. Now, it's separately reported that Alec Baldwin was also a co producer of the movie as well as an actor, and that may have some legal implications for this case as well. So I've received a veritable tsunami of inquiries as to my take on this tragedy in the context of this fatal use of force involved, Alec Baldwin's firing of the gun in his hand with fatal results, presumably without any actual intent to kill the victim, uh, Miss Hutchins. So that should go without saying. Could this shooting death be characterized as an accident. In fact, there is a legal defense of accident, much like there's a legal defense of self-defense for cases of intentional shootings. And both are what are called perfect defenses, meaning if accepted by the legal process, the legal defense of accident frees the person of all legal liability, both criminal and civil. So perhaps this was an innocent accident in the legal sense, and Alec Baldwin ought bear no legal responsibility, either criminally or civilly, for the death of Miss Hutchins. That's one possible legal outcome. On the other hand, perhaps the shooting death is more accurately characterized as negligent, or perhaps even reckless. And if reckless, then certainly as involuntary manslaughter, which New Mexico law defines in the context of this case as an unlawful killing committed in the commission of a lawful act which might produce death without due caution and circumspection. And under New Mexico law, involuntary manslaughter is a fourth-degree felony normally punishable by up to 18 months in prison, and a $5,000 fine. Now, the most common form of involuntary manslaughter committed generally is drunk driving resulting in a fatality. But of course, a firearm being handled lawfully, but quote, without due caution and circumspection that results in a death fits the statutory definition of involuntary manslaughter equally well. So in the shooting death of Ms. Hutchins by Alec Baldwin, are we looking at an accident free of legal liability or an act of negligence carrying civil liability or a criminally reckless killing an involuntary manslaughter good for a felony prison sentence? What factors do we consider in distinguishing between accident and negligence and reckless killing? So to be clear, our goal here in today's content is not necessarily to arrive at a definitive legal answer. I'm not sure we really know enough facts with enough certainty to do that. 
But if we can't immediately arrive at the right legal answer, at the very least, we can understand how to ask the right legal question. And that's what we'll do here right now. So let's talk first about the legal defense of accident. So legally speaking, the defense of accident applies when the harm caused could not have been foreseen by the person who caused the harm and who was otherwise acting in a normal and non-negligent manner. So, for example, as an illustrative hypothetical, imagine that your elderly aunt asked you to move a heavy plant from one side of her apartment to the other. You carry the plant to the new spot, place it on the floor, but unknown and unknowable to you, the floor joists in that spot are rotten. The plant falls through the floor, lands on the head of your aunt's neighbor downstairs, and kills the neighbor. Well, because you are acting in a normal and non-negligent manner and could not have foreseen that the floor joists were rotten and therefore that there was a risk to be concerned about, the death that results from your admitted conduct was a genuine accident in the legal sense. And as a result, you have no legal liability for the death that resulted. As the saying goes, poop happens. Too bad for the neighbor. How does that differ from circumstances where negligence is involved, where negligence creates civil liability? Well, liability is acquired if you were acting negligently when you caused the harm. So, for example, imagine a different illustrative hypothetical. You're driving down a neighborhood road uh, with a speed limit of 25 miles an hour. You're in a little bit of a hurry, so you're driving at a solid 35 miles an hour, so 10 over the limit. There's no reason for you to think, and you don't think that you're creating any exceptional risk by driving a bit over the speed limit. Heck, plenty of people in the neighborhood do it all the time. This time, however, suddenly a child dashes out into the street, and that extra 10 miles per hour over the limit is what prevents you from stopping your vehicle before it hits and kills the child. Here, you are not acting in a normal and non-negligent manner. We all have a generalized legal duty to not cause unjustified harm to others. Your intentional disregard of the stated speed limit violated that legal duty, even though you did not know you were creating an exceptional risk of death. By violating that generalized legal duty to not cause harm to others, you are acting negligently, and your negligence means that you've acquired at least civil liability for the death you caused by your negligent conduct. The parents of the child would presumably sue you for wrongful death in civil court and win a judgment as the result of your negligent conduct. But there's a step beyond negligence, and that's recklessness, and it's recklessness that creates criminal liability. So even though you may have been civilly negligent, that you don't necessarily have criminal liability for the child's death. You're not facing a prospect of prison. Criminal liability requires more than mere negligence which is the failure to meet a duty to not cause unjustified harm. Criminal liability requires recklessness. Recklessness occurs when you not only violate a legal duty to not cause harm, but you explicitly know you are doing so and you intentionally disregard the risk. To put it another way, you are creating a risk of death or serious bodily injury, are aware that you are doing so, but choose to disregard the risk and continue with your conduct regardless, and the bad outcome occurs. The classic illustration for criminal recklessness causing death, often labeled involuntary manslaughter, is the drunk driving fatality scenario already mentioned. 
You know, as we all know, so it's common knowledge in legal terms, that driving while intoxicated creates a risk to others of death or serious bodily injury. When you become voluntarily intoxicated and operate a motor vehicle, you are aware of the risk you are creating, and you are choosing to disregard that risk. Should a death result, your recklessness makes that not an accident or even mere negligence, but a crime, involuntary manslaughter. Now, note that there's no requirement that the death be intentional. The person driving home drunk isn't intending to kill anyone. They just want to get home. Indeed, were the death intentional, we'd be talking about murder or voluntary manslaughter, not involuntary manslaughter based on recklessness rather than intent. And I am, of course, as presumably we all are, working under the assumption that Alec Baldwin did not intend the death of Miss Hutchins. That lack of intent, however, does nothing to diminish potential liability for the crime of involuntary manslaughter. So, with that legal foundation in mind, what can we make of Alec Baldwin's shooting death of Miss Hutchins? Could it have been an innocent accident? Or is it merely civil negligence? Or is it criminal recklessness and involuntary manslaughter? The answer will, of course, depend on what the facts ultimately turn out to be. But we can certainly explore the range of outcomes that would be on the table. Now, innocent accidents zero legal liability can happen with firearms, but they are rare. And the reason they are rare is that firearms are recognized legally as inherently dangerous instruments, and therefore the standard of care for handling them is very high. So let's consider accident. What would an accident look like in this case? Well, imagine a gun that has an unseen defect, so that when the barrel is brought up to a horizontal position, the gun discharges without any press of the trigger. This is clearly not how a gun is supposed to fire, nor would any reasonable person expect a gun to fire under those circumstances. If the gun being handled by Alec Baldwin is found to have such a defect, and his handling of the gun was otherwise non-negligent, he would have a good argument that the gun discharging and killing Miss Hutchins was a genuine accident for which he should bear no civil or criminal liability. But we also have to consider negligence and what that would look like in this case for civil liability. Because a defective gun doesn't necessarily mean there was no negligence involved. And if there is negligence, well, there cannot be an innocent accident and zero legal liability. If there's negligence, there must at least be civil liability. Now, in our hypothetical with the defective gun, for example, it may be true that the discharge of the gun was not foreseeable by Alec Baldwin, and therefore the discharge of the gun was not really in his control. But the direction in which the gun was pointed certainly was in his control. The death of Miss Hutchins by the discharge of the gun could not have occurred had the gun not been pointed at her, and that pointing of the gun at her would certainly seem to constitute negligence. Anyone trained in firearm safety and anyone handling an inherently dangerous instrument like a firearm can be reasonably expected to have a duty to be trained on its safe operation around others would know that one of the four primary safety rules of handling firearms is that you do not point the muzzle of the gun at anything you are not willing to destroy. Pointing the gun at Miss Hutchins then, at least under the circumstances in which the gun discharges and kills her, would certainly qualify as negligence at a minimum. 
and thus create civil liability for her death. But we can't stop there either because we have to consider the possibility of recklessness and what that would look like in this case. Let's change our hypothetical now to remove the defect from the gun. So now the gun operates normally and will not discharge unless the trigger is depressed. Imagine also that some of the news reporting of this event accurately describes the discharge of the weapon as follows. Let me be clear. I have no idea of what I'm about to describe will turn out to accurately describe the events in this case. I, I read such a description of the events online, but have no idea if the person providing that description has any idea themselves of what they are talking about. Here, we're using that description of events not as a claim that they represent what actually happened, but merely as a hypothetical to explore the legal issues that could arise out of this case. So here's our new hypothetical. The day was running long on the set. The actors and crew were getting tired and another scene had to be shot yet again. And in an effort to add some levity to the circumstances, Alec Baldwin, holding a firearm in his hands that he believed to be unloaded, jokingly told director of photography, Miss Hutchins, and director Joel Souza, we have to shoot that scene again? How about if I just shoot you both instead? He then points the firearm at them and depresses the trigger, resulting in the gun discharging, killing Miss Hutchins and wounding Mr. Souza. If that last hypothetical accurately describes what happened, we have no innocent accident and we have no mere civil negligence. Instead, we have, with the pointing of the weapon at the victims and the deliberate press of the trigger, criminal recklessness. The gun did not go off for unforeseeable reasons, such as a hidden defect. The gun discharged because it operated as designed to fire when the trigger is depressed. Of course, the gun must be loaded when the trigger is depressed in order to cause harm, but as the tragic consequences here amply demonstrate, the gun was loaded. It would be the duty of the person wielding the gun to ensure it was unloaded if they wished to cause no harm when they depressed the trigger, and clearly that duty was not met. Second, anyone handling an inherently dangerous object, such as a firearm, would be presumed to possess the safety knowledge needed to handle that firearm safely around others. A claim of ignorance is no defense when one is handling inherently dangerous objects. That guns are inherently dangerous is common knowledge presumed to be known to everyone. That the rounds fired come out of the muzzle and travel with lethal force and distance is also common knowledge presumed to be known to everyone. That guns discharge when the triggers are depressed is also common knowledge presumed to be known to everyone. Because the various common knowledge just described would be presumed to be known to everyone, including Alec Baldwin handling the firearm, when he pointed the weapon at Ms. Hutchins and pressed the trigger, again, speaking solely within the context of our hypothetical, not as a claim of what actually happened, then he was necessarily aware of the risk of death he was creating and deliberately disregarding that risk, with the result being the death of Ms. Hutchins. When you are aware that you are creating a risk of death and then you deliberately disregard that risk and death results, that's the very definition of criminal recklessness, commonly referred to as involuntary manslaughter. 
I also want to talk to these uh, possible implications of Baldwin being both the shooter, the person handling the gun, and a producer of this movie. So let's talk about that because it could also have legal implications here. So Alec Baldwin was both the actor handling the firearm when it discharged, and an actor might argue that he's kind of at the bottom of the safety responsibility ladder for something like a movie set. But he was also, Alec Baldwin was also a co-producer for the film, which would arguably place him at the top of the safety responsibility ladder. Now, in theory, an actor at the bottom and the producer at the top might each point their finger at each other when it comes to liability over an event like this. That is, the actor might argue that the producer ought to have had better safety protocols in place. And the producer might argue that the actor had the ultimate responsibility for safe handling of the firearm. In this case, however, Alec Baldwin occupies both seats, so he can point his finger in this manner if he wishes, but ultimately he'll be pointing it at himself. And this implication could well apply not merely in the civil law context within the scope of negligence, but also within the criminal law context, within the scope of recklessness and involuntary manslaughter. So, ultimately, whether this tragic event should qualify as a genuine innocent accident or merely civil negligence or perhaps criminal recklessness and involuntary manslaughter will depend on how the facts fit into the legal framework I've just shared with all of you. And I certainly don't yet know the actual facts in any concrete detail. I expect few of us do at this point. But if we can't yet arrive at the right answer because we lack the necessary facts, at least we now know how to ask the right questions. Because we know the correct legal framework in which to place those facts once they are revealed to us and arrive at a correct legal conclusion. Okay, folks, that's all I have for you on this topic at the moment. Remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill, my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.